Hello, and welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. I'm Pastor Joshua Kurtenbach. Today is the celebration of the martyrdom of St. Stephen. Our sermon text for today comes from the book of Acts, chapters 6 and 7. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came up upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs of that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And the high priest said, Are these things so? And Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. They cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. This is the word of the Lord. Our sermon was recorded previously at our divine service. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The prophet Isaiah describes our Lord Jesus as being despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Building upon this description, St. Bernard called our Lord's life one of ever-increasing suffering. We see this in his birth outside of the home, in a different city, with nowhere to be laid but a manger. We find it in the flight to Egypt, where, after being warned in a dream by an angel, St. Joseph takes our infant Lord and his mother to Egypt to live until Herod dies. We see it, too, in his ministry, where he is rejected by many, lives in poverty, has no home, and is faced with sorrow and pain. Finally, there is in his passion, where he is fully rejected, despised and then put to death by those who should believe in him while bearing in his body even their sins and the sins of the whole world. As this was the life of our master, we cannot expect that we will fare much better. 
as our Lord said to his disciples before sending them before him during his ministry, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. That is, if his life is one of suffering, persecution, and rejection, we should not expect any less. We should not expect a life of constant joy and happiness and prosperity, but rather we should expect the same as he lived and received. In John 19, before his passion, our Lord told his disciples, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. As it was for our Lord, so it was for his first disciples, so too it is for all disciples of Jesus. It may seem strange that those whom God has blessed with the gift of salvation and eternal life must face tribulation, persecution, and crosses, but it is these things that helps us to be conformed to the image of God's Son and are ultimately for our eternal good. If the world hated our Lord, why should it not hate us also? If we seek to conform to the image of the Son of God, why would we seek to conform to the image of the world? If we are looking for God's approval, why should we also look for the world's approval? We find examples of this, especially in the Old Testament, though it is also spoken of at length in the New Testament as well. The book of Judges has plenty examples of the people of God, Israel, coming to success, becoming comfortable, and then forgetting the Lord their God, who brought them into the land, even though God himself had given them a warning, saying that when you enter this land with milk and honey, do not forget the Lord your God who brought you here. He told them this before they entered, yet it happened. It was not until the people were oppressed by their neighbors, whom Israel tried to impress beforehand, and get along with by worshiping their false gods, that Israel forsook her idols and called on the Lord to deliver her, turning again only to God. The Psalms also testify over and over again about the wicked prospering and how the unrighteous have good and easy lives. Asaph says of the wicked, they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are, they are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease, they increase in riches. Likewise, it's easy for us Christians, for those who know and love God, to fall into grave sin when our lives become easy. David relied solely on the Lord his God and followed him when he was on the run being persecuted by Saul. But it was when he ruled Israel where he murdered Uriah and committed adultery with his wife and would have lost his salvation had he not come to repentance by Nathan the prophet. Some in the early church were tempted to cater to the rich and powerful and to seek these things for themselves rather than bearing tribulation, persecution, and crosses. 
And to them, St. James wrote, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. The Christian life, then, is that which bears crosses, persecution, and tribulation. It is one where we see the world prospering, we see the wicked doing well, we see evil advancing, while we suffer, face sorrow, pain, and are met with tribulation and persecution. It can seem quite the opposite of how we might think it should be. And in fact, we see that in the prosperity teachers who teach the heresy that God wants you to be rich and healthy and all of the time going from greater and greater wealth. In reality, it's just a way for them to line their pockets. But the way that our Lord has called us to be is to face these things and to bear them. That is how our Lord in his wisdom knows to bring about our best eternal outcome. For through all that we suffer, we are being conformed to the image of the Son of God. We are being prepared for the weight of glory to be revealed when he comes again. We are suffering here with Jesus so that we will with him rise again to life eternal. To be a Christian is to follow Christ, which means bearing our crosses now because of the joy of salvation which he has set before us. In Hebrews, it says that for the joy that was set before him, our Lord patiently endured suffering, even death on the cross. Likewise, our Lord has promised us eternal joys and bliss in the life to come so that we may be strengthened here as we follow his example and patiently endure, knowing that there is a great inheritance waiting for those who have been made children of God by faith. St. Paul writes to those being persecuted in Rome, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. Asaph was wearied by the way the wicked prosper and who were righteous, and those who were righteous were afflicted and suffered until he sought refuge in the Lord and realized the joy that awaited him and he said, You, O Lord, will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Certainly the future joy, bliss, and glory, and rest promised in the life to come, where all is renewed and perfected, is a great comfort for those of us with faith. For the one who has promised this is the same who died to save us while promising that he would rise again on the third day. Thus we can trust him gladly because his promises are sure as we bear our crosses and face tribulation and persecution. And these things come from in many forms and from many places. What we are most familiar with when we speak of persecution is obviously that which comes from unbelievers, suffering for the sake of the name of Christ at the hands of those who actively hate him and therefore those who follow him. In the most extreme form, this takes the shape of killing and beatings, but that is not all that persecution entails by the descriptions of our Lord. It includes mockery and insult for following Christ, 
and for holding to so-called archaic morality because we do not support or take part in those things which the world now supports, such as abortion, killing infants within the womb, physician-assisted suicide, which is just murder by another name, same-sex marriage, which goes against the way God has created us to be, and gender affirmation surgery, which is simply mutilating one's body when there are other ways to help such people struggling. It includes long op it includes losing opportunities because of our faith, being looked down on, and the like. But this is not limited only to unbelievers. No, it's a sad fact of the Christian life that persecution will also come from those who think that they are serving God by their actions. Saint Stephen the proto-martyr, the first to die for the name of Christ, was killed not by unbelievers, but by God-fearing Jews, by those who believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who read the law of God, and who had the prophets and the writings at their disposal. Likewise, those progressive churches which seek to appease the world by accepting worldly things often mock, look down on, and belittle those Christians who hold to the true scriptural teachings and pure and true doctrine. They often join the world in the mockery of backwards Christians who cannot get with the times. It ultimately comes down to a disgust with the word of God and what it teaches. And those who defend it find themselves being faced with the same disgust. But as Christians, our Lord has not only given us the comfort of the promises of eternal joy and blessings to look forward to, when we are faced with tribulation, persecution, and crosses, but he has given us examples in the lives of the patriarchs, prophets, martyrs, confessors, and all the saints. By looking at their example, we can see how the Lord has always preserved his church and has been gracious to his Christians in the worst of their afflictions. The first thing which all the saints had with them in their sufferings and afflictions is the word of God, the scripture. Through the scripture, the Lord comforts his people, strengthens them, convicts them of their sin, but pardons them when they come to repentance, and through his word, he guides them. He works through his word so that by his Holy Spirit working in his word and in us through it, we may take it to heart and live it out. Through his word, the Lord gives life to his weary people. Asaph wrote, after describing his own sufferings and afflictions, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will receive me to glory. The counsel of God which comforts and guides us is the Holy Scriptures, which are profitable for teaching, refutation of error, correction of life and morals, training in righteousness, and consolation of our souls. While St. Stephen was confronted by those who did not believe that Jesus was the Christ and they disputed with him, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. This was because he was one who was immersed in the scriptures and filled with them. In his speech, of which our reading only gives the concluding remarks, he tells the history of Israel from Abraham to Solomon and shows his great knowledge of the scriptures. It was through the preaching of these scriptures that St. Stephen came to faith, 
recognizing that Jesus was the Christ and that, that he and all the Jews were waiting for. It was this word of God which gave him strength to stand before the Sanhedrin, confident in his faith. And this faith, which is the gift of God, is what gave him courage to proclaim the word of God to his brothers and fathers who aligned themselves against him. Because St. Stephen trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, because he was justified by God's grace through faith in Jesus, because the word of God dwelt richly within him, he was able to give a witness to the truth of Jesus Christ, who he is, Son of God and Son of Man, the Righteous One, through whom we are made righteous by faith. Because he trusted in Christ and knew that he had no good apart from him, he had joy when facing affliction, persecution, slander, and even death. What are all the joys and pleasures of this world compared to the joy which awaits us? And God, being gracious to him and preserving him in the faith, gave him a vision of what awaited him when he would die. Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. St. Stephen was given a foretaste of the joys and blessedness to come, even while on earth he beheld God's face in righteousness. He saw God, who is love itself, and was filled himself with love. He saw the object of his faith, and so had the strength to face what was to come. And the Lord, too, gives us a foretaste of what is to come. For besides his word, he also gives to us his sacraments. Our Lord Jesus has given us his body and blood to eat and drink for the forgiveness of our sins and the strengthening of our faith, so that we may be united with Christ, the object of our faith, our Savior and our Redeemer, in an intimate and personal way, so that having our sins forgiven and our faith in him strengthened, we may be encouraged that as Christ has risen from the dead, we too will rise to newness of life on the last day when he comes to judge the living and the dead. The church is the body of Christ, and he is our head, and in his supper he gives to his body his true body and life, that we may be united with him and one another in his supper. And while we do not see him, we know that he is present, for he has promised us this. And he has promised us forgiveness, life, and salvation to all who eat in faith, so that being strengthened by him, we too may have the courage to proclaim Christ to those around us, that we may have the strength of faith to confess him even in the midst of persecutions, that we may have the confidence to know that whatever befalls us here, whatever type of suffering we undergo, God will use it to our eternal good and give to us greater joys in the life to come. Lastly, Having seen the Lord at the right hand of God, having seen Christ in his love awaiting him, St. Stephen shows us the way in which we are to treat our enemies, persecutors, and slanderers. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Just as our Lord Jesus Christ cried to his Father to forgive his executioners, St. Stephen, the first martyr, calls out to Christ not to hold this sin against his fathers and brothers who are about to stone him. May God stir up this in us, that as we have been forgiven so greatly by him, 
we too may forgive not only our brothers and sisters in Christ, but also our enemies and those who hate and hurt us. And may he keep us steadfast in the faith, growing ever in holiness and love by his grace, as we bear many tribulations, persecutions, afflictions, and crosses, so that when we die, we may behold God as he is, attain the crown of life because of what Christ has done for us, and be raised to life everlasting on the last day. God grant this to us all. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.